Shumrabyug. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Shulok. Shulisten, the podcast that takes a pop at culture. Shulok, Shulisten. 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 Ooh, happy spooky Halloween, Benjamin. It's the spookiest day of the year. <laughs> and I don't mean... No, it is Halloween. It is Halloween. It is yeah, no, no, it is. Day. Ben, don't talk during my bit. Sure, look, <laughs> we don't have time to listen to you talking during my bit because we have loads of things to look at this week, including one whole trailer and... Now that's pretty much it. One whole trailer. Then you've seen Pluto. We've both seen The Cured. And that's it. Michael, if that wasn't enough, and I don't think it is, because, uh, yeah, uh, was, uh, <laughs> fucking sparse not, pickings this week. There's not, not a lot going on, Ben. There's not a lot going on. We are going to take a quick look at the return of folk horror, Michael. The, the resurgence of the bizarre genre of folk horror. Possibly my favourite genre of horror, Michael. But uh, not always popular. But for the last ten years, yeah, gives a bit of folk it's horror. Back. It's back, Ben. Folk yeah. horror, it's back. Yeah. It's up in your business. It's up in your biz. Ben, speaking yeah. of horrifically coming back, just, just it was only two weeks ago where we talked about Victor Frankenstein, and I feel, I feel Ben like I've forgotten how to speak. I, I don't know what's going on. Can but you smell toast? No, it is a bank holiday though today, and yeah. I haven't really spoken at all today. It, it does turn <laughs> the noggin a bit cheesy sometimes. Yeah, I think I, I haven't really warmed up my voice. Anyway, Ben. Mm. Lisa Frankenstein is coming out, or is it? Michael, this is uh, this is a bizarre looking thing. Uh, first of all, it's not coming out until 2024, Michael. Oh, it should have come out on Halloween. It should have come out on Halloween, Michael. That would have made an awful lot more sense. Why, why mm. didn't they bring it out on Halloween, Michael, when spooky things are supposed to be out? Yeah, no, they forgot. But come here to me. Lisa Frankenstein comes through us from Diablo Cody, Michael. Oh, Diablo Cody from Out of Jennifer's Body. From out of Jennifer's body. And it's funny, she's dropped Juno from her, her kind of writer's credits list because she's trying to cash in on the, the, the late-blooming cult horror status that Jennifer's body has achieved. Mm. Jennifer's body, not that popular when it came out, but it has lingered. Yeah, had a massive resurgence, Michael, due to its very, 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 very important examination of consent and sexual harassment by men. Predatory oh. sexual practices of men. One of your favourite types of sexual harassment, Ben. Ben. <laughs> Fuck you, yeah. Anyway, this appears to be about, it's a lady, but this time the lady is the baddie. Yes, the lady is the baddie. She seems to be a demented young one, a femcel, Michael, who uh, seems to be struggling with, with the boys. What's that now, Ben? Have you just made up a new term? I have, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. A femcel, did you say? But, but there, is the, there is that community, Michael. So uh, to, for those of us who go out and touch grass more often, you might not be yeah. aware of the horrors of the internet. But unfortunately, yeah, yeah. I am. So within the incel culture, Michael, the, the involuntary celibates, if you will, you've got, yeah. you've got the lads who don't get on great with the girls and they think that's the girl's fault. Yeah, yeah. And there are, whole, there are whole communities, Michael, where these young men get together and kind of recruit other young men. Yeah, it's um, called World of Warcraft, Ben. I've been playing a lot of it at the bank holiday. Yeah, exactly. So what happens when with that, Michael, is that, you know, a young man will come to the internet. First of all, don't do that, ladies and gentlemen. Reddit is not your friend. Just but get off the internet. They'll come to the internet 
And what'll happen is they'll uh, they'll come with a perfectly reasonable issue that could be sorted in moments, really, Michael. Like, uh, I'm struggling talking to this girl. She has a boyfriend and she doesn't want to speak to me. Now, let's 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 be honest here, Michael. That's perfectly fine. She has a boyfriend, maybe doesn't isn't interested in pursuing a romantic relationship with somebody else. And then the internet involuntary celibate community, Michael, turns around and is like, oh, typical fucking bitch. And then the misogyny kicks in and we, we have what's called the black pill ideology. Wait, what has this got to do with the film Lisa Frankenstein? Well, hang on, I'm getting to it. You question right. me on my fem cell thing, so I'm getting okay, to go it. Okay, go on, go on, go on, go on then. Bitch. Jesus. Oh, letting your inner incel out there, Ben. Yeah, I'm not, you fuck. I'm explaining it. Oh, mansplaining. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So, there is a version of this, Michael, for women. Oh. There is, bizarrely, a very small amount of female incel culture on the internet. And it's called taking the pink pill. Oh, very good. Yeah, exactly. And do they blame men or do they hate men? Uh, I think it's just kind of that very destructive ideology that I'll never be attractive to men. Which, frankly, Michael, having met a lot of men, it's not anything you should worry about. So if there is anybody from the Pink Bill community listening, I wouldn't even break a sweat over it. We're we're a shower of bastards. We really are. I'm all right. right. Mick's all right, but he's taken. Yeah, 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 I am taken. Sorry, everybody. Yeah. Sorry, Ben. You can't see Ben's sad face when he said that. <laughs> My heart breaks every time I have to recognise that, ladies and gentlemen. I saw it, but the rest of you didn't. The rest of you didn't, because it's an audio medium. Anyway, audio, it looks to be podcast. a little bit of playing with the pink pill uh, mentality here, Michael. We get a young Frankenstein-esque figure in the young lady. She's not getting on great with the la- with the boys. And mm. she makes one. She pulls him out of the ground, Michael, and turns him into kind of her... Her Billy from uh, from the wonderful world of Hocus Pocus. You remember Billy? Yeah, yeah, he looks like Billy from Hocus Pocus. He looks like Billy from Hocus Pocus. I'm sure that's fairly intentional, Michael. But uh, come here to me. Look, it doesn't look great. <laughs> no, it doesn't. It doesn't. It looks rubbish. It's hilarious that this is the only trailer out this week. It's fucking depressing that this is the only trailer <laughs> out this week. It's, it's, it's a bad sign. The only other thing I saw a trailer for, Michael, was the Loch Ness Horror, and I refused to watch it. I was just like, no. no I don't know what that is, but I don't want it. That's not for you. It's a documentary, Ben, actually, about it. The, the Loch Ness murders, famous series of murders by a serial killer in the Loch Ness area. Well, why, why didn't we put that up? I didn't, Ben. I've just made that up. Oh, okay. Well, that, that'd, that'd be good, Michael. But luckily, Michael... What? Speaking what? of serial killers and horrific things happening, I've watched the brand new anime on Netflix, Pluto. Benjamin, you've never stopped watching anime on Netflix. You've gone mad for anime on Netflix. Because, Michael, once upon a time, no great anime fan was I. No, I always thought it was a race thing. So maybe I've, you thought this is kind of like American anime, you're okay with it. Yeah, as long as it's white, it's all right, Michael, as I say. <laughs> Uh, yes, it is. That's what you wanted on your gravestone. As long as it's white, it's all right. Benjamin, what is this? How is, is it? Is it? Is it a Japanese anime? Uh, yeah, so it's it's it it, it is derived anime? from a manga, Michael. Um, and the the manga is very well known. It's Astro Boy. Astro Boy, Ben. Japan's Mickey Mouse. Japan's Mickey Mouse, Michael, launched all the way back in 1952. So long ago. In the wake of the absolute horror that was uh, the nuclear bombing of Japan. Oh, yeah, not great for Japan. 
Not great for Japan, not great for the world, not great for human kind of kind in general, Michael. Not a great mm. time. Bit of uh, a low point. Yeah, bit of a low ebb, as it were. But come here to me. This is based on a manga that became incredibly popular, Michael. It was kind of the rejuvenation of the Astro Boy series. And it was pioneered by a man called Naoki Urasawa who is not the original creator of Astro Boy. That was, he was created by uh, Osamu Tezuka, was the name All of the right. gentleman who originally came up with him. But uh, this particular gentleman, Naoki Urasawa, came forward and decided to rejuvenate the comics, Michael, and kind of bring them to a modern audience, uh, Japanese and worldwide. Does he still have rockets in his feet, Ben? He still has rockets in his feet, Michael, but he's a much more normal-looking boy. He just happens to be the most advanced android on the planet. Oh, he's more of an elite battle angel now, is he? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. A bit a bit to go on with that. But this, Michael, this particular manga rejuvenated, uh, from 2003 to 2009, rejuvenated a huge uh, swathe of Astro Boy kind of protagonists, villains, etc., and gave them a new lick of paint, as it were. Oh, it's like Ultimate Astro Boy. Exactly. Yeah, that's a great parallel. Ultimate Astro Boy is a spot-on parallel for what this kind of was. Um, and this is widely regarded, Michael, as one of the best arcs in anime of all time. The Pluto arc of the Astro Boy rejuvenation project. Anime or magna a bit? It, it's a uh, manga at this time. Did I, I say anime? Know. You did. But I did. Look, sorry. I'm I meant the manga. So successful is it, Michael, that Netflix have gone and made a bloody anime out of it. Classic Netflix, Ben. But what's very interesting here, Michael, is that they've gone and made an anime out of something that really happens mid-arc. This is, this is not the beginning. They've gone in media's res for an entire manga storyline. So, oh, really? What if Astro- I haven't seen the, the earlier seasons, Ben? It, do you know what, Michael? They've done an absolutely masterful job of it, and you'll enjoy it nonetheless. Oh, very exciting. There's a few odd little non-sequiturs, Michael when you are introduced to a character and something awful has happened to certain characters. And I had to do a little bit of research on this myself, Michael. It's happened earlier in the manga. Oh, but not in the anime. But not in the anime. They've just decided to jump on in there with the anime. Um, And it follows one of the classic Astro Boy kind of NPCs, Michael, Gazekt, who is Europol's top android in the field. Oh, very good. He sounds very German. Uh, Yes, he is. Well done. He's from Dusseldorf. And, oh, he's uh, off Dusseldorf, yeah. Yes, and Gazekt is the world's most advanced detective AI. Oh, is he? Is he some um, sort of robot man? And Michael, there's a series of murders happening all around the world. Oh, who are they going to send to solve them? Is it this robot man? It's Gazekt, Michael. Oh, very good. I bet you he's doing it. Yes. Uh, no. <laughs> no spoilers for this particular thing. But Gazekt, Michael, is one of the seven most powerful and intelligent artificial intelligences on the planet. At the top of that list, Michael, is none other than Astro Boy, or Atom, as he was originally called. And he's called Atom in this. He's not called Astro Boy anymore because he's an Astro Man now, is he? He was always called Atom, but rebranded for Western audience as Astro Boy. Oh, that's not his real name. Yes, there you go. There's a fun little tidbit for you, Michael. So he's Mm. Atom in this, and we meet all our kind of favourite characters as we go along. But, Michael, what's happening is these seven most powerful AIs are being eliminated by something terrifying, a serial killer of those who are both incredibly powerful AIs and their creators. Oh, how sinister. How sinister, Michael. And I have to say, this is fucking great. Is it really? 
Yeah, I've only ever watched a handful of decent animes in my time, Michael. Um, and one of the ones that I always, has always stuck with me, Michael, is Full Metal Alchemist. Uh, yeah, you're always talking about it. Yeah, Brotherhood in particular, Michael. I think it exemplifies some of the best parts of the genre of anime, which is the massive philosophical, geopolitical and kind of global aspect of certain animes that looks at the motivations of characters from a political point of view, puts the notion of war and international conflict under a microscope, as was very common in Japan post-World War II. <laughs> and it deals with the, all the incidents. Yeah, and it deals with the ideology of massive societal change and nationalism and that kind of thing. And all of that, Michael, is phenomenally present in Pluto on Netflix. It is beautifully animated. Um, It's got a very classic hand-drawn 90s style to it. Um, So it's very reminiscent of those classic animes, Michael. Oh, you don't have anything to say to that. Sorry, my apologies. I thought I thought you might chime in there. Sorry, you usually oh, chime in. Yeah, hold on. Okay, hold on. I'll think of something. Which classic anime is Ben? <laughs> Do you mean something? Something, Michael. Probably in and around. Uh, I do, oh, my brain's gone blank, Michael. I don't believe this. You tell me, Ben, and I'll guess. Oh, fuck the one What's that happened? Scarlett Johansson got. Oh, Ghost, Ghost in the, the Machine. Shell. Ghost in the Shell, shit. Ghost in the Shell, or... Oh, no, my pal's got a big, giant mutant arm and loves metal. What's that one? Akira. Akira, thanks very much. That was very good. Uh, So it's got that feel to it, Michael. And it follows Gazikt on his... uh, on his worldwide investigation of what's been going on, Michael. Because every time the killer strikes, Michael... It leaves no trace of human DNA, which is impossible, according to Gazekt, because he can he can he can track down an atom of a human using his highly oh. advanced sensors. But Michael, hmm. it's killing humans, which robots can't do. Or can they? Or can they, Michael? And that's the central premise here. Um, it is a phenomenal look at, as I said, geopolitical conflict. It, it's based around, I, I suppose it's the sins of war, Michael, is the driving force behind this. So the the world of Atom and Astro Boy's canon in general takes part about, take about 15 to 20 years after something called the 39th Central Asian War. No. Um, and the country that was mainly responsible for that, Michael, uh, or was the main target of that war, was Persia. And Persia is a stand-in for Iraq, Michael. No, Persia is Iraq, Ben. Um, yes, but, uh, sorry, in a modern context, it is a stand-in for, they call it Persia, but it's just Iraq, if that okay. makes sense. Because that's, yeah. Does that okay. make sense? Am I being racist? No, you're not being racist. It's just that's what Persia is. It's not a stand-in. It's like Persia's the historic name for that region. Oh, okay. Well, they just call it Persia in this. They they never say Iraq, but it is basically because the entire premise is that many of the world's most famous robot uh, creators went on a fact-finding mission to Persia to find out if they were building robots of mass destruction, Michael. Now, Ben, do you mean Iran? No, I mean Iraq. Because Persia... Okay, all right. (laughs) I I mean Iraq, and I'll tell you why. You'll you'll get it now in a sec. So, the United States of Thracia, Michael... Yes. Organize this fact-finding mission. They don't find any evidence of robots of mass destruction, but they go ahead and they invade anyway. Oh, I see. <laughs> see? Oh. oh, is this a Japanese production? Uh, it is. Ja- it, the original is Japanese, um, but it is for Netflix. 
Netflix oh, is the money behind this one and has put this together. It is phenomenal, Michael. It raises some amazing philosophical questions. There are many debates around, you know, do robots have rights in this highly advanced technological society? Should they have rights? Um, it, it's, no. Uh, well, it depends on what way you look at it, Michael. After this, you might change your tune. Why? Because they're kind of humany. Oh, they're very humany. But How are they? Okay, well then, yes. I have to say, Michael, this was absolutely excellent. It's eight one-hour episodes, so it's a bit of a commitment. An hour's too long, Ben. I don't have an hour. But you won't feel it, Michael. You'll get to the end of each episode and go, oh, fuck, I wish I'd really... I, I can't wait to do the next one. And it's got all those intertwining things. And it's got big robot battles every once in a while, Michael. Oh, I love big robot battles. Yeah, and then it's got bizarre kind of asides involving, you know, war robots that want to redeem themselves by learning to play the piano that you don't think are connected to the story, but they're not. I bet you they are. They are. I bet you they are like a season of Bosch. Benjamin. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We've had had Bosch on a lot in my house recently. Have you? Yeah. I don't know why. But everything's always connected. Titus Welliver's in it. Ben, that's neither here nor there, though, because it's time once again for the latest and hopefully last instalment of our evergreen series that we only do in October. Yeah. Things that go bump in the night. Things that go bump in the night. And this week, Ben, was a bit of a hoor for us. This week was an absolute, as the fella from Dublin would say, fucking hoor. <laughs> it was a hoor of a week, Ben, because yeah. we wanted to watch Let the Wrong One In. Yeah. And I couldn't, for love nor money, watch Let the Wrong One In. You just cannot see it. And I couldn't, for love nor money, in all good faith, talk about it, because it was fucking shit. <laughs> <laughs> So you did see it. Yeah. So, uh, look, this was my idea, Michael, because we pulled this out of the bag. We realised there were five weeks in Halloween this year, which is a pox, ladies and gentlemen. It's an absolute pox of a number of weeks. Absolute pox of a number of weeks. But anyway, we found out, Michael, that this film came out. I thought it would be relatively decent, given that Anthony Head, Buffy the Vampire Slayer's own Giles... Anthony Stewart Head, Tony Head to his mates. Yeah, was in this. And Michael, it's the it's it's fucking bad, man. Do you know Republic Italy? No. Okay, well, don't. If you haven't watched it, save yourself the hassle. But some of the skits in Republic Italy are fucking awful. And a lot of what they do is, oh, wouldn't it be mad if we did a blockbuster but in Irish and we did loads of jokes about Dublin being a kip? And you know, addicts. <laughs> Something and stuff. is a kip. That's gas. Wouldn't we? Wouldn't we? Wouldn't we do all that? And what if we had really thick cultures? You know, because cultures are thick. You know. Oh, that's that? true. Cultures are thick, man. Though. Oh, that's it's like they did that for an entire fucking movie. It was. It was like watching a demo on Ivor skit for fucking an hour and a half. It was fucking awful, Michael. Oh, very good. So what we said was, fuck that, fuck yeah. that, and we went. And we found a bloody bizarre film from 2017, Michael, called The Cured. Benjamin, how have I never heard of this? So I had heard of this, but I, my mind had locked it away, Michael. The Cured stars Elliot yes. Page. In Dublin. In Dublin. Tom Fox. Him off the Ooh. love hate. Tom Von Lawler. Tom Von Lawler. Where did I get Tom Fox from? I don't know. <laughs> Where did you get Tom Fox from? Is there anyone out there who knows me who's called Tom Fox? Could you get in touch and let me know where I pulled that one from? Where the hell did you pull Tom Fox from? I, I mean, know. he has a very distinctive name. Tom Tom Von Lawler's in it, Michael. Yeah, your yeah, man, you need. Yeah, your man from the Dairy Girls, the priest, the hot priest from the Dairy Girls is in it for five-eighths of well. a second. Um, and this is, this is a... 
This is Ireland's answer to Danny Boyle's 28 Days Later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's definitely a touch of the 28 Days Later about it. There's also a, a little hint of a touch of a, just a smidge of the girl with all the gifts about it. Yeah, there's a lot of that going on, Michael. It's it's kind of a classic, what would British people do? What would Irish people do in a zombie scenario? How would that go? But it's also part of the wider oeuvre of post-zombie movies, which have grown increasingly popular in the last couple of years. Yeah. What would we do after? How would that yeah. work? Um, and the cure is is no different, Michael. Uh, this was this came out in twenty seventeen, and it's directed by directed and written by David Frain. Mm. And it's it's pretty interesting, Michael. It creates a pretty, I thought, existentially horrific premise. In that, yes, we can cure zombies, but unfortunately, they retain all memory of what they did. Oh no! Um, which I have to say, Michael. Oh God! Imagine that. Oh, very unpleasant because you've probably eaten a load of people. You've probably you've probably ate a bunch of people, Michael. Kids and stuff. Kids and stuff. Yeah, you know? gross. Maybe gross. your own kids. Gross and horrible, Michael. Maybe your own mother. Oh, maybe your own mother, Tom Von Lawler, um, or Tom Fox, as you call him. Tom Fox, my good old friend, Tom Fox. Don't know who the fuck that is. Um, <laughs> but anyway, we watched this, Michael. I have to say, I was pleasantly surprised by it. Um, well, uh, all right, let me put it this way. I have no yeah. idea what Elliot Page is doing in this film. Yeah, really weird bit of casting. Like, not the star. It's a supporting role. Being American makes no difference whatsoever. Nothing. Doesn't play up their acting ability or fame or anything like that. It's just... One of those weird things where, for some reason, there's an American A-lister in a in a low-budget Irish film. So strange. It's a she's a. I'm saying she in this movie for the character, not the actor. Okay. Uh, she she's a distracting presence. They they are because they just completely. There's Elliot Page. <laughs> there's Elliot Page for some reason, and every time they're on screen, you go, "Oh, there's Elliot Page." Yeah, yeah. I think you can say she, Ben, because the character is distinctly a she. That's, All right, well, that's okay. my basis so, for saying she. Uh, the character of Abby in this, yeah, she, is, is very much a she. Yes. And she's a mother. And the, the central premise of it is, Michael, her brother-in-law, a guy called yeah. Senan, played by Irish actor Sam Keeley, is mm. one of the cured. He is one of the 75% of infected population that was brought back through medicine. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? And she agrees to take him back in. And originally we believe this is out of the goodness of her heart, but it's really because she wants to know what happened to her husband at the time, mm. uh, Luke, um, who was Sam's brother. And spoilers for the film, ladies and gentlemen, fucking Senan ate Luke. Yeah, no use. Uh, no use. It's so grim, Michael. So this is... This is... Ben. Yes. Why was that kid afraid of Senan? Which one? Because Senan ate Luke. Seven, oh, very, eight, very get, good. Do you get it? That's that classic arithmetic joke, Michael, that you've yeah, just yeah, given yeah, a new lick of paint to. Very good. Yeah, yeah. Very good. Uh, but come here to me. This David Frank came up with this as a sequel to his original short film called The First Wave. Mm. 
What was that about? Uh, it was about the outbreak of the maze virus. So in this, it's called the maze virus. Mm, like a maze prison. That's like, an interesting choice. It, 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 <laughs> and the main villains in this, Michael, are Fina Gale. Um, <laughs> Fina Gale. They are. The middle classes are the villains. The, the middle, the upper to middle class, the middle to upper classes are yeah. the real villain here. So uh, there's a few things that go on here, Michael. There's a few interesting choices that are made. Number one is the, the, the zombies can't really be cured. Um, and it, over the course of the film, the eternal question is, uh, are they cured though? Are they cured? Or are they still a pack of murderous bastards? Or are they just not sound? Are they just not sound? So it creates a, a classic first class citizen, second class citizen dynamic. The cured are brought back into society. Nobody really wants them, Michael, because they did terrible things when mm. they were turned. And the argument by the scientific community is they weren't in control. But over the course of the movie, the major question that raised is, how out of control were they? Were they, though? Were they, were they, they though? Were, were they, they out of control or were they just being a bollocks? They, Benjamin, <laughs> yeah. the opening sequence of the reintegration of society to society and the protests against them filmed on location around Dublin with Irish actors. Bloody hell, on the nose stuff. For today, yeah. 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 Incredible. Yeah, like that's that's a bit of prophecy there. Like, the, it, because uh, right now, ladies and gentlemen, we're in the middle of a wave of anti-immigrant rhetoric in, in Ireland and, and Dublin and Ireland as a whole. And we're seeing a lot of these videos crop up on social media. David Frayne got that fucking on, on the money there, on Dave. On the money. <laughs> it was, um, say what you want about a lot of this film, but that bit, that opening sequence is... You you mentioned a few weeks ago that it's hard to do a horror and set it in Ireland because we're always going, ah, sure, isn't it grand? We're all Irish and we're all mad and we'll all have a laugh and if horrible things happen, we'll just make a joke of it and we'll have gas crack. But on the other hand, the start of this film. Yeah, David Frayne got a time machine after he heard the episode last week and said, I'll show this fucking call up I'll show these I'll cast my friend Tom Fox in yeah, it. Tom Fox. Yeah. And then he changed the timeline somehow, and now it's Tom Vaughn. <laughs> Lawler. Yeah. Lawler. Tom Lawler Vaughn? Tom Lawler Vaughn. Nidge from Love Hate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ebony Maw, Benjamin. So he's. You're all children of Thanos. He's pretty interested in this, Michael. He's a former barrister. Yeah. And there's, there's a bit of um, class consciousness narrative going on in this because he wants his cushy job back in Fox Rock. He wants to be a barrister again. Um, and society as a whole has gone, no, you ate people, Tom. You can't be doing mm. that. Yeah, yeah. And he's made to be a cleaner. Now, there's there's a lot of arguments to be made here, Michael. There's there's so many commentaries, societal commentaries happening in this film at the same time. On, on the one hand, we're dealing with just because you were born rich doesn't mean you get to stay that way. On the other hand, we're dealing with how do we rehabilitate prisoners? On the other hand, we're looking at how do we treat people who've transgressed within our society and mm. do they deserve redemption? There's so many things going on here. But yeah. one thing is for sure, Michael, Tom's character is a prick. Oh, he's a real prick, Benjamin. I think the main theme is how do you ever come back if you ate your ma? And the answer is you can't really. <laughs> well, Benjamin, again, spoilers, and the whole thing is spoilers, but just big spoilers. It's great that he's running for election at the end. So this is the thing that got me, Michael. I thought this was a real zinger. He nearly gets taken out of it by Senan, who is kind of his original brainwashed cult follower. 
and mm-hmm. then kind of comes out of it through the redemption of family and stuff like that. And he's just about to do his skull in, and the young fella gives a scream under the car, so he goes off to sort that out. And he comes back, it's just a bloody trail leading to the sewer. Uh-oh. But then, Michael, at the end of the film, after the second outbreak, we see his little face on posters, and he's he's riding forward in a in a rights for the cured movement. Mm. Fucker. Very interesting. Fucker. Fina Gale. Terrible Cheryl, lads. Classic Fina Gale. Benjamin, are you not a big Fina Gale? Don't you have your Michael Collins posters <laughs> up all over the place? Fucking I'm not. A mad Fina Gale over there. all the things you could call me, Michael, an incel, a racist, a homophobe, a Fina Gale on this podcast <laughs> in this day and age. Get wrecked. <laughs> I said your favourite type of sexual of assault was male assault, but I can't speak today, Ben. Your favourite type of assault is male assault, but that's not as bad as calling you a Fina Gaylor. Yeah, Benjamin, which one's Fina Gale? Is that Leo or, or Michal? Leo. That's Leo, okay. Fina Fall is, is Michael. Is Michal. Is it? I thought you were voting for Leo, though. You're always out voting for Leo. <laughs> no, I'm really not. <laughs> I Tom really Von Lawler plays Leo essentially in this. He he does. Oh, very well observed, Michael. So he is essentially a stand-in for our current Taoiseach. Go on. And it, that is in the the notion of whatever route the power is. <laughs> that's the route go I'll go. So it's it's well observed by Abby in this particular case because initially. Um, what's the name of the character in the in the movie? Because I don't want to keep saying Tom. Because <laughs> <laughs> you said it so many times, I've forgotten. I have it here. Um, Hang on, I have it here. Um, Colin? No, it, it, it. I think it might be Cedric. something with a C. It's not Cedric. No, Connor. Connor. Close enough. You were very close. But anyway, initially he kind of comes to power, going, "Oh, you know, we're second class citizens, and they're never going to treat us right, and blah blah." But Abby has his number fairly quickly. She turns around to him, and she's like. I think you just like power, uh, mm. Connor. I, th- I think that's what you're into, isn't it? Because he makes the mistake of telling her, oh, I was actually running for office before all this happened. And she mm. immediately goes, oh, you dirty fucking politician. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, she is a reporter, Ben, the natural enemy of the politicians. The so natural, yes. So it's stacked a little bit in that way. But but this is pretty interesting, Michael. It's It's essentially a copy and paste of 28 Days Later in some way, or 28 Weeks Later in some other ways. But... I think it deals with a very realistic thing of how are you going to bring zombies back into society? Mm. It's a, yeah, it's good. It's a good examination of the post-zombie idea. We've completely skipped over the the subplot of the doctor who's convinced she can save that one particular zombie who turns out to be her lover and then her own hubris gets her killed in the end. Yeah, so Dr. Lyons is an interesting one. That's the, that's the name of the character. She's um, Dr. Lyons and... She's the woman who believes she can cure the 25% that the the remaining, the remnant, mm. is that what they're called? I can't, I can't remember. remember. The they uncured. The uncured, essentially, or the uncurable. And what her partner, who was her co-doctor, but also her lover, um, was turned and is mm. one of the resistant. It's the resistant. And they, she spends much of the movie deluding herself into believing she can fix this. But Michael... Oh, go on. She can. She does. does. Yeah. She does. And then uh, it, all, it all goes a bit wrong for her. So the, the yeah. denouement of this film is that Connor essentially wants to free the resistant, the 25% that are left over, and cause another outbreak. Because they're immune then. 
because they're immune. There's no risk to them. I think that's one of the one of the best lines, Michael, in the film. One of the things I really enjoyed because this is really a political satire in some senses. And I, I, do, I do really think that David Frame is trying to get across that politics is a bit of a bastard. Mm. <laughs> um, but one of the lines that he keeps saying is, not dangerous to us, which is mm. just a reworked version of, oh, we're all right. Uh, you know, fuck those people over there because we're doing grand. And it's, it's you know, again, Michael, it's very interesting to see all this rhetoric thrown around. But Connor really is the worst of them. Um, because he's the alpha. There's, there's one of one of the things, one of the great flaws, Michael. I think is it's very hard to know what the infected are because there's so many competing titbits. There's one man. My favorite character in this is the army officer, come parole officer, Cantor. Yeah, he's Cantor. a real prick. <laughs> he's a real prick. But he's just like another no, scum. Yeah, they're scum. But we don't know. It's very hard to tell until we realise, oh, maybe they do have a weird bond and maybe Connor can control them. Or maybe he's just a force of personality, kind of cult leader type person. Yeah, or maybe he's just got a bit of a charisma to him. Yeah. You know? And he's definitely shown to be the type of charismatic sociopath who preys on the weak because there are a few lingering shots of him kind of eyeing up the other cured and finding mm. out who has weak links, and then he's holding little fucking talks and, you know, that kind of thing. It's a very interesting thing. So the denouement of this, Michael, is he plans to free the uh, the resistant, the 25% of the population that isn't. And he, it's, he succeeds. He creates a second outbreak. There's a small radio snippet, uh, diegetic audio at the end of the film, Michael, that says 8,000 new infected are brought yeah, yeah, about yeah. as a result of... Good old Connor. Good old Connor the prick. Benjamin. Yes. I think the greatest the greatest flaw of this film is that it's a great idea, it's well acted. It's it, it's a fascinating idea. It's very Irish. Yeah. It's all shot on location in Ireland. It's a very real representation of how one way Ireland could react to a situation like this. But the greatest flaw of it is it's a bit fucking boring. Yeah. So th- it's very slow. For some, yeah, it doesn't have the feeling of ominous dread that I think it needed to be great. Funnily enough, they they struck the right tone in the trailer, Michael. the The, the trailer had a great "I've let a monster into my house. What if he turns?" vibe mm. to it that doesn't come across in the movie at all. Senan comes and goes, and occasionally Abby will call him up and it'll be like, where were you last night? And Senan yeah. will be like, I was out with a mate. And then it just drops. We never have any... Senan never really relapses or has any... Vi- he has a few nightmares, but yeah. the nightmares aren't a threat. Senan is an absolute non-event of a character. This whole thing hinges on the character of Connor. Yeah. He's the only interesting person in it. The only interesting thing about Abby is that she's played by an American A-lister. And she's got a camera. she got a camera and whatnot. But the only interesting character... Well, no, the, the, the horrible fucking... The horrible pro guy is good too. But Connor is the only interesting character. It's really a character study of Connor. Yeah, and I think we might have had... I think there's certainly a very interesting film to be made as a sequel that focuses only on Connor's rise to power politically. 
I'd, I'd watch oh, the ben, fuck I don't out know of if I'd watch it. I would. I don't know if I would. I don't know if I'd, I'd have it in me to watch more of this. To watch more Fine Gael? No. Well, probably not. No, it's just... It's it's conceptually very good, and it's well acted, and it's well written, and it's, you know, it's yeah. good. Yeah. But it's just boring. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was... It was a major effort for me to stay focused on it. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that's very fair, though, Michael. I don't, I don't know if I'd bash you for that. It's, it's not. There's a reason it hasn't been remembered. Yeah, and that is because it's not very memorable. Yeah, and you know, Ben, a lot of our films that we're going to talk about today in our folk horror, a lot of them are similarly slow burning, low on action high on tension and ominous feelings of dread. Mm. But none of them were quite as boring as this. Yeah. I, there's just not enough of a threat, Michael. Is that what it is? I, I don't... It's very hard to know. Because initially in the film, Michael, the cure don't present a threat. The only member of the cured who presents it a threat in the entire film, Michael, is Connor. Yes, and the world he's is more of a cult leader. But yeah, or the alpha, or whatever you want to fucking call him, doesn't matter. He is an uh, an instigator. He's an antagonist. He wants chaos again because he can take advantage of the world in that chaos. Mm. The rest of them are the saddest sack. Of stand-ins for the 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 dregs of society. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Like they're just weak characters, and we don't ever spend any time with them, so we can't get connected to them. There are two or three cured NPCs, if you want. That right, go up. on. There's the Elfula, yeah, who has a gun at one point in the film. Yeah, there's Katie. Who is Connor's right hand man? And yep. then there's Sinead O'Connor's little sister, who gets yep. arrested for throwing a fireball. That's it. That's but all the, the characters. But that's it. And they're not threatening. They don't. Co- I think one of the things that's most interesting is it might be a pacing thing, but the actual moments of violence from the cured they they create their own kind of cured Republican army, if you want. Mm-hmm. I don't know what you want to call them. but And they commit crimes against people. But they gloss over that very quickly, Michael. Yeah, that that goes nowhere, actually. It goes nowhere. It's a, it's a damp squib in every sense of the word, Michael. Mm. The, the one moment, Michael, where things looked like they were going to pick up is when Abby runs back into the house and because the outbreak has happened a second time. This is towards the final... 15 minutes of the film and I was like oh Abby's forgotten to close the door that's going to lead to some disasters then she just runs out with an axe and I was like alright Abby let's fucking go and she does a fairly nifty job of getting rid of one of them and then the police pull up the UN pulls up and like right everybody in the van (laughs) yep we're here the UN is here everybody get in the UN van and I just ah very poor Michael It, it was wildly varying rules and standards because at one point it's a highly guarded kind of camp the the place where they do the conversions back to humans or the curing mm. is at one point a highly guarded military camp then the UN pulls out and it turns out that about four lads from the cured can walk in with a switchblade and take mm. out the army I think it was just a box cutter it's a shame it wasn't four lads from the cure I would have enjoyed that. Robert Smith, Ben. That would have been very good. 
and stabbing people with his ineffectual and weak 80s rock star arms. Speaking of something where we might find out that Robert Smith from The Cure is the main villain, Michael, this week we're taking a look at the resurgence of a very particular type of horror. What type of horror, Ben? Body horror, like David Cronenberg. No, you love a bit of body horror, Michael, but today we're talking about my favourite type of horror, which is none other than folk horror. Slashers, Ben. No, Michael, not slashers. Oh, I thought no, you meant slashers. Oh, Michael. There's, if you go down in the woods today, you're sure of a big surprise. It's the devil, a witch, or some kind of supernatural force that's taken a small village that was just trying to live on its own outside of the rules of modern society, and now he's gone and turned them fucking twisted. Doesn't oh, rhyme no. as well, though. Yeah, it might just be a cult. It might just be a cult, Michael. So, Benjamin, you tell us what you mean. What do you mean by folk horror? Define it for us. So, looking at folk horror, unfortunately, we have to, to point, at first of all, to the most recognisable form of it in modern cinema, which is Midsommar, with Florence Pugh. Pug. Okay, why Pugh. unfortunately? Not unfortunately, but it's the dominant film in the genre. If you're looking for the, the steady beats of folk horror, you're going to find them in... Midsommar. So let me walk you through how it works. Generally speaking, Michael, the first thing that we're dealing with is a secluded society. All right, some sort of creepy-ass place. Some sort of creepy-ass place. It's a group of people that want to start a commune. It's a group of people that wanted to get off the grid. It's a Mm. group of people that want to live away from modern society. Go on. And somewhere along the line, Michael, to make that work... They turned to a greater power, and it all went a bit wrong. Some sort of spooky shenanigans. Some sort of spooky fucking shenanigans. So, there are a few hallmarks, Michael, but it's very important to note that there is no plotline similarity between folk horrors. It's more a set of characteristics that come to define it as a genre, if that makes sense. Okay. So it's not like a slasher where there's one big antagonist with a knife or a blade of some sort and he's going to get you. Or a chainsaw. Or a chainsaw or something sharp or whatever. It's bees. Or bees. Love bees. Loads of bees. Loads of bees. So it's also not something like body horror where it's a massive Cthulhu entity and your body's going to end up, you're going to be driven to madness, number one. Mm. And your body's probably not going to look the same at the end of the film. Like the thing. Like the thing. So we're not necessarily getting that. But what we do tend to get, Michael, in the wonderful world of folk horror is a rural location. Oh, yeah. You have to have a rural location. Yeah. So it's Hagra in Midsommar. And then one of the most famous examples, which you've just named for us, Michael, is the Wicker Man. Oh, the Wicker Man with Nicolas Cage. Yeah, Nicolas Cage. But originally, none other... Then good old Christopher Christopher Lee. Lee. Benjamin, I didn't mean those bees. I meant uh, Candyman bees. Oh, that's so funny. Isn't that funny? Yeah, yeah. We had such an overlap there. The bees, Ben, the bees. So the original in that, Michael, the the Wicker Man came out in 1974. Before you were born, even. Before I was even born. Before you were a glint in your father's eye, Michael. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because you're only 25, Michael. You're a baby. Yeah, Um, yeah. Yeah. And people who were born in 1974 are like 48. Yeah, but you're not 48, Michael. No, I'm not 48. You're 25. I'm 25 years old. Yes, which we've covered extensively on this podcast. This episode. Funnily enough, the, the genre of this, Michael, that 1970s hallmark is kind of the beginning of the folk horror genre. There's a particular film that has marked it out as a genre, and it's called The Blood on Satan's Claw. 
Oh, no. And it's a British supernatural horror film. Um, and it was directed by a man called Piers Haggard. And it came out in 1971. Wow, years ago. Yeah. And it covers pretty much everything you could want from a film. It's set in a rural location. Little rural village. It's set sometime in the past. Folk horror is a big fan of the past, Michael. Loves Some sort the of vague past. period in the past. Yeah. So the Blood on Satan's Claw is set in 17th century England. Okay. And the local youth fall under the influence of a demonic presence. Oh. And do you know why? Because a farmer went and dug up his field and found a weird demon skull. Oh, classic digging up a field and find a weird demon skull. Don't fucking do that, you pricks. Oh, you always have to watch out for digging up a weird totem. Ah, oh, fuck's sake. Fuck's sake. Terrible. But this is widely regarded as one of the earliest ones. And there was a film that came before that, Michael, called The Witchfinder General in 1968. However, the main core tropes of this genre were really hammered out by the blood on Satan's claw. So some of the other things that we need for us to define it as a folk horror is isolation. Isolation is a massive part of it, Michael. It has to be a society that has somehow pulled itself away from the main throng of humanity. Go on. So in The Wicker Man, for example, it takes place on Summer Isle, which is essentially a stand-in for the Isle of Man, Michael. Is it? Is it not Jersey or Guernsey? It could be Jersey or Guernsey. I don't mind. Pick one of your small islands off the coast of England Mm. and set it there. That's what you're going to get. The other things that it needs is, generally speaking, we're going back to the good old-fashioned paganism, Michael. Oh, the classic paganism, Ben. Some yeah. sort of worshipping, some sort of weird totems. Yeah. So you're you're tapping into older religions, Michael. Um, and particularly, Michael, I think it's very important to note that it's terrestrial horror in the world of um, folk horror. So what I mean by that is generally when we're speaking about cosmic horror, we're talking about beings from another plane, beings from another dimension, beings from outer space. The Beastie Boys. The Beastie Boys, Michael. Mm. Um, you know, aliens from another planet. When we're talking about classic alien horror, it's aliens in general. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. When we're talking about slashers and stuff like that, there's a little bit of paganism in some slashers. We've got the supernatural mm. elements to creatures like uh, Freddy. Yeah, sometimes it's just pedos. Sometimes it's just pedos, Michael. Not Freddy, I meant Jason. Pedos are Freddy. That's just Freddy. But, you know, in general, this is ancient earth-based terrestrial divilry Mm. in general benjamin yeah i would say another thing is that it doesn't always have to be supernatural exactly sometimes the horror of folk horror is that it's folks oh i see what you've done yeah yeah that's a very good tagline ben yeah so there's a few different ways that that's been looked at michael you've hit upon a, a very interesting thing there michael um, so, in general, when we look at folk horror, one of the the big the biggest villain is us. It's society, Michael. It, we, oh, society! I thought you meant you and you and I. I thought you meant the podcast. Sure, look, sure, listen. We we are the antagonist in several prominent things, including Apostle Midsummer. Do you not remember the bonus cut of Midsummer where it's revealed that they're all listening to our podcast? Oh yeah, I do. That was good, wasn't it? And you're all your person. You personally, Benjamin, are the villain in uh, Doctor Stephen Catwell's upcoming film. Why do you keep forgetting to promote my album? Yes, the great forgetting. Um, <laughs> yeah. Oh, speaking of Stephen. Yeah. I don't think I've actually anything to say here, Michael. I don't think. Uh, I don't know. No. We, was there anything we were supposed to promote or give no, a shout out so. to here? No. Don't no. think so. No. We'd remember that. 
I would remember. Anyway, yeah. Benjamin. Um, yeah, the people are the villains, is what you're saying. Yeah. So in general, Michael, one of the awful things that we see, and again, it's it's highlighted very, very well in the likes of Midsommar, is th- there isn't actually much supernatural shit going on in Midsommar, other than a bunch of people who have convinced themselves that they need to preserve life in an ancient way. Yeah, that woman jumps off a cliff. It's horrible. And they do horrible, horrible shit, Michael, in pursuit of absolute stagnation. Um, you know, very, very often in these films, Michael, we, we see a lot of build-up and a lot of hinted-at supernatural elements. And then in the end, Michael, it turns out that, no, there's nothing supernatural. People are just shit. Yeah, it's just a wicker man full of fire and bees. And a bunch of crazy people. Mm. And that's that's what it is. Even, Michael, the likes of fucking The Village by M. Night Shyamalan. Yes, a modern twist on the folk horror genre. You know, in the end, it's just fucking people, man. Yeah, sometimes it's not, though. It's sometimes it's not, though. In other cases, Michael, one of my favourite of the last ten years is Apostle, starring Dan Stevens and Michael Sheen. Oh, that, that's the one where they go to a shed or something. They go to an island, Michael. And on that island, there's a utopia. It's a counter-Christian utopia where they pray to the pagan gods. Oh no, that sounds dodgy. And Michael, it's all maintained through sacrifice, which is the final kind of core defining characteristic of the folk genre, the folk horror genre, is human sacrifice. There seems to always be a sacrifice, be it supernatural or otherwise. We're always Mm. putting people in big giant wicker men. For example. For example. Or putting people in bears, poor old Jack Rayner. Yeah, get in that bear, Jack Rayner. Get in that bear, Jack Rayner. Spoilers for several noted folk horror films there, ladies and gentlemen. But if you haven't seen Midsommar at this point, it's Florence. Florence Pug is a delight. Go watch it. Go watch it. And Jack Rayner's in it and he gets killed. Which gets is one killed. of the best things yeah. you can say about a film. Uh, it's a bit harsh on Jack Rayner. That's us <laughs> never getting him on the podcast. Um, remember when ter- in, in, uh, remember in, term- in Transformers 4 when he was going out with a teenager? Oh, yeah, the Romeo and Juliet clause, the card he carried around in his pocket. Because, ladies and gentlemen, if you ever want to know if something is morally good or morally bad, if you have to carry around a card with a bit of legislation that justifies your frankly lecherous behaviour, you're probably on the wrong side of history. Yeah, yeah, that that one scene has done more damage to Jack Rayner's career than anything else in history. It's, it's <laughs> amazing. Mark Wahlberg is also in that film, and he comes out looking better than Jack Rayner. I know. Very upsetting. Jack Ryder <laughs> seems to be sound in real life. That's the worst thing. That's the it. worst part. That is the worst part. Anyway. Anyway. Um, folk horror. Folk horror. But human sacrifice is a huge point of that. One of the interesting things about Apostle and one of the great twists on the genre is Michael Sheen is the antagonist of this. And it, it follows all the classics. Isolated society, rural community, uh, secluded society, point of stagnation wanting to maintain kind of a past kind of thing human sacrifice rule of the mob kind of vibes across the board but michael the best thing about this and spoilers for apostle um so you can just skip ahead down below there the best part is michael sheen has gotten completely fucking wrong and um, he keeps oh, no. feeding the deity of the island human sacrifice and it's twisting and warping the deity it's like oh i'm full yeah, it's like, I really don't want human blood. Please stop doing that. Um, oh. And so he's actually corrupted the island. So it becomes a wonderful allegory for how humans ruin nature. As opposed classic to... Michael Sheen. Anything, classic, classic Michael Sheen. But anyway, like that's an interesting version of it. Uh, but as I said, Michael, um, a lot of this is... 
Oh God, people are the fucking worst. People are the worst, Benjamin. The absolute ben, worst, yes. One of the modern masters, if not the modern master of the folk horror genre, is your good mate, Robert Eggers. Oh, he fucking loves it. Ben, you and him are such good mates. I've seen him. He's saved in your phone as Bob Egg. Yeah, Bob Egg. Next Bob to Tom Egg. Fox. Bo- <laughs> Tom Fox and Bob Egg, two of your best mates. Anyway, Bob Egg, Ben, is his film The Witch... Is that a classic folk horror, would you say? That is folk horror by the numbers, Michael. You could not get, again, a better example. In this case, Michael, the society we're speaking about is a family. It's just a microcosm of a society. Yeah, yeah, they go off the grid. It's a family of pilgrims who are attempting to get closer to God through lean living, abstinence, and kind of removing themselves from what they view to be a corrupt society. Because, Michael, if there's one thing we could say about the pilgrims is they were batshit fundamentalist religion. Absolute mad fucking lads. Mad fucking lads. And I'm sure there's a very interesting genealogy of madness study to be made into America and why it is the way it is based on the fact that we segregated (laughs) a bunch of absolutely mental religious fundamentalists back in the day and went, actually, do you know what? These are a bit too stiff, even for England. Get the fuck out. You can head off. (laughs) Head off. Head off there. (laughs) But anyway, yeah. Microcosm of the family, secluded on the farm, um, one woman wants to break from that tradition. She's preyed upon by a supernatural force. In this case, it's a goat, Black Philip. Mm-hmm. Um, and the tone of it is wonderful, Michael. And, you know, forests play a huge part in it. Don't go into the woods. If you go down to the woods today, you're going to get Black Philip'd. Mm, you're in for a big surprise. It's Black Philip. That's the surprise. It's Black Philip. Look out. Now, Michael, you, in preparation for this podcast, have checked out another one of Bob Egg's great ones. Or Egg Bob, as you call him. Or Egg Bob, and as I call him. We were having a debate, yeah. post-fact, obviously, because we've both gone off on separate tangents, but we were having a debate about whether Bob Eggs... Sorry, Egg Bob. We were having a debate about whether, whether Egg Bob's seminal 2019 film? Yes. Is it? The Lighthouse. Whether yes. that counts as folk horror. So let's run through it, Ben. Isolated from society. Yes. Ding. Yes. Incredibly much so. Yes. In the olden days, yes. Yes. It's, have you seen The Lighthouse, Ben? I have. Okay, so it's set in the olden days. It is, when lightkeepers were still essential. Exactly, Benjamin. And they're very much isolated from society. And and one of the very first things that happens, obviously it has, it. whether or not it's a folk horror, it definitely has the tone of it. Because yes. it's all about that dread of people and... While there appear to be supernatural goings on, are there? Or are they or just mental just, and isolated? Is it just, exactly. Or is it just two men going mad because they're mental and isolated? Yeah. But it all pretty much starts when um, when Robert Pattinson's character finds a scrimshaw totem of a, of a mermaid yep. tucked into his new bed. And uh, that, that leads nowhere good, Michael. Nowhere good at all, Benjamin. When I was watching this film, I thought it shouldn't have been called The Lighthouse. It should have been called It's Very Hard to Have a Wank with Willem Dafoe Listening. Uh, waiting to listen. <laughs> yes. <laughs> waiting to that's, listen. That's really the main plot of this film. Yeah. And I, I think, look, I think it's a wonderful look at 
toxic masculinity during an older period. I think it's a great look at the perils of isolation for the human condition. There's there's a lot of great stuff going on in the thing. And I think it's strongly hinted that at different points, Michael, that there is something mildly supernatural going on. That seagull is fucking terrifying. Um, it's just a bird, Ben. No. No, there lies madness, Michael. Get the fuck out of here. Um, there lies madness. But come here to me. Come here what? to me, Michael. One what? of the core questions that we kind of have to ask ourselves here, Michael, is why the fuck are we, why are we in the middle of a resurgence? Because this genre has t- tried to, uh, you know, make make something of itself quite a few times. The, the unholy trinity of this genre came out in the 70s, Michael, and that was The Wicker Man, The Witchfinder General, and Blood on Satan's Claw. So that was the original mm. kind of burst of this onto the scene and many people see it as a watershed moment in British cinema and it is a distinctly British genre um, you won't find many Irish folk horror films um, you should probably should though you probably should we've got a lot of pagan stuff to draw on but we don't see that what we do see Michael is it happen in British society a lot because Britain has largely turned itself it turned its back on its pagan roots and did so a long time ago before Ireland did Mm. Um, and so very often when we're looking at you know a way of navigating outside of the incredibly class-based system that they've developed for themselves as a society you'll see folk horror become a lens through which to examine that Um, and that's certainly what happened in the 1970s it coincided with the whole hippie movement and you know all of that kind of thing and the folk horror genre became a way for British movie directors to express their own thoughts and views on British society through a weird horror film Express their fears of agrarian folk. Yeah, damn agrarians giving us a body. Oh, look, farmers, gross. Ooh, gross and spooky. Ah, but Ooh, Michael- Cecil, <laughs> get us out of here. <laughs> we simply must get out of here, Cecil. <laughs> oh, God. The farm folk are looking at us funny, Cecil. So, you know, there's absolutely an argument to be made for that as well, Michael. I I think that's a a pretty solid point to be made, to be honest. But Benjamin, you fuck. Why didn't you yes and my fucking Cecil joke? I couldn't. I couldn't, Michael. You were doing much. I'm focused on facts, Michael. I can't do both. (laughs) I'm focused on facts. There's the biggest lie I've ever heard from Ben Colopy. But look, that doesn't matter. Go on, tell us more facts. The the besperchment. The besperchment. Uh, You've passed on your cheese brain to me today. And it's it's not going well for me. Fucking bank holiday is a hard day to do a podcast. It's a hard fucking day, man. But anyway, come here to me. Come here to me. What? Come here to me. What? What is it? I don't. I don't have any more facts here, Michael. It's a really interesting <laughs> genre. And yeah, but good though, isn't it? There's a there's a lot of reasons that we might be seeing this come back, uh, Michael. W- one of the core themes of it is the natural landscape and the balance within nature. And climate anxiety would, you know, go headlong against that. And might be some of the reason that we turn to it as a genre. There's a lot of punishment from the land, uh, a lot of nature asserting its dominance over man, a lot of, actually, we are quite small compared to the huge planet we occupy and maybe Mm. should respect it just a little bit more. In case it puts us in a big wicker man and sets us on fire. Some of the other things that it investigates, Michael, and kind of in line with that notion of you know, where the villains is, it's quite often used now to look at the sins of colonialism and investigate, you know, the roots of racism and things like that. Because quite often when these characters come across their secluded society, it's fucking racist. 
As well as everything else. As well as everything else. As well as the human sacrifice. It's also kind of racist. Oh, that's... It's possibly worse than human sacrifice. I'd say so. I'd say so. But, you know, that's kind of an interesting one across the board. But, yeah... It's growing again and again and again. We've seen some fantastic films in the last couple of years. Another huge man who's responsible for this is Ben Wheatley. I don't know if you've ever seen any of Ben Wheatley's films. I don't. Probably. What's he done? He directed a film called uh, A Field in England. And it's about kind of Cromwellian angst um, in a field in England. You get to watch the entire history of a kind of a haunted field in England. Um, cool. over Ben you're telling me that this man's name is Ben Wheatley yes and he's made a film about fields yeah I know it's good isn't it that's like when when Mark Webb made this film about Spider-Man yeah yeah no it's just like look sometimes you see the path Michael and you just take it you know or it's why? like when John Peel caused a potato famine <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> exactly those other men created absolutely genocidal moments, Michael. But Webb and Wheatley just made films. So, you know. Films, yeah. History might remember them a bit more fondly. Um, but come here to me, Ben Wheatley Webb. has also made um, a very, very famous film starring none other than Northern Irishman, Michael Smiley, called The Kill List. Oh, go on. Uh, now, Michael, I have to put a content warning on The Kill List because fuck me, man. This is a horrible film. Um, oh, Cool. Yeah, it's, it is very much, um, you know, a classic folk horror. After a botched job, a hitman takes a new assignment with the promise of a massive payoff uh, for three killings. And uh, he has to go to a small rural community to carry out these killings, Michael. And needless to say, it all gets a bit fucking messy. Um, Does it get a bit much for him, Ben? Does he regret his decisions much, in some yeah. ways? So it's, it's uh, Michael Smiley and Neil Maskell. Um, if you're a fan in any way of British sci-fi, you'll know Neil Maskell's face. Um, you've seen him in a bunch of stuff. And then Michael Smiley was wheels or tires from Spaced. So for anybody listening. He was also in um, he was also in the, Hollow. the Hollows a few weeks ago. Yeah, he absolutely was as the guard saying things go bump in the night here. And yeah, uh, yeah look, come here to me, Michael. The folk horror yeah. genre. Great bloody time. A wonderful investigation of the perils of small-minded societies and how it can come and get us. Watch out for them. Watch out for them. They're no bloody good. Michael, do you know what I feel like talking about next week? Um, Astro Boy. Yeah, very good. Very good. Thanks. Very good. You're a real prick. I was prick. listening earlier, Ben. When You're you a real me. prick. <laughs> I'm not even going to do the wrap-up, ladies and gentlemen. And um, I'll do it. Don't, don't have a strop now. Come on. No, I'm just going to stop. No, don't have a stop. Yeah, do, do? Your, do your bit. What are you going to do? Well, I'll do it. Okay, you do it. All right, thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, there's a website, I think, www.shomrebug.com, S-E-O-M-R-A-B-E-A-G.com. That means tiny room in Irish. It does indeed. We're also on Acast at www.shirlookshirlisten.acast.com. We are, yeah. Yeah, we're on TikTok and Instagram yeah. at shirlookshirlisten podcast yeah <laughs> yeah we are yeah um, but look don't don't get dragged into any of that horse shit because the best way to get in touch with us each and every week is to hop up on the discord get up on it hop up on that bitch because Benjamin the link is in the description below it is uh, thanks very much ladies and gentlemen I'm off to go sacrifice somebody to a small secluded society bye bye yeah not bloody me I'll get you first <laughs>